0: Okay, here we are. We are ready to get into God's Word, aren't we not? It's what uh, this all revolves around, getting around the Word of God and hearing what the Lord's words are, right? Uh, Luke is continuing on here with uh, kind of uh, just unfolding dimensions of the authority, and really the power of Jesus. And this one chapter that we're in, chapter 8, just continues to do that. And uh, now we go into a sequence that's really a a double miracle. They just kind of uh, thread together. They work together in this. It's disease and death. And that's what Jesus has power over. Power completely over it. Total victory over it. Uh, Jesus showed his power uh, with the forces of nature. Uh, in this chapter, we had uh, the storm that was stilled. And then he went to the demoniac and cast the demons, the thousands of demons, out of him. Now he's going on his way back to, uh, across the Sea of Galilee, the lake, to Capernaum, to the headquarters. And now it's dealing with even more personal to people because it is dealing with our fear of disease, the fear of death. Who likes to talk about it? Who likes to think about it? I don't take great joy in it, and neither do you. But the fact is that that is a part of life. Of course, nobody wants to get a disease and totally just devastate us. Death is the most comprehensive opponent of them all and it's left for last in this chapter as it has been just building up and building up. There's like a phobia that people have uh, dealing with this most certain fact of life where death is definitely... Coming, the dread of death. We don't like to think of it, and we like to push it away as far as possible. But when you deal with God's Word, it talks about death a lot. But really, if you are a believer in Christ, it's really putting forth the fact that we really don't die because we have eternal life. We pass from this to glory. And so. I would say if somebody did not have a belief that they would do well to check in with a religion and a religious leader who has the power to overcome death and has already done that. There's only one that I know of that has overcome death and he proved it. If you were to go visit all the tombs in the world of religious leaders, what would be in there would be their bones. They would still have a tomb there occupied in that sense. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus, it is empty. He has risen. And so, we celebrate that every Sunday. He has power over death. And we know that it was not only His own resurrection, but to raise all believers from the dead to be with Him. And even in this life, He gave a little sample of raising people back to life. It's an incredible thing. I know of no other religion that does that. Uh, That is an amazing thing that we believe in. Either it's true or Or we're living a lie. So you're giving everything banking on this fact of the resurrection of Christ. The authority that He has. There's a picture involved here when you think of these miracles, especially what we're looking at today. And it's a foretaste of ultimate overcoming of disease and death. We know that, yes, our bodies die, and there's still death here on the earth. Even though it's been conquered at the cross, it will come to its culmination when we see glory. And when we understand and respond correctly to Jesus and what He does with all the bad things that we encounter It's a matter of life and death, isn't it? Really, literally. And He wants us to be interested in that. Luke wants us to be interested in this. And so, uh, may we understand a little bit more of the ministry and the real power that Jesus does. He lives. He lives today. So to believe in this fact puts us all to... Peace. Let's uh, read God's Word, starting in Luke 8. We'll put these two together. It's a rather lengthy passage, so we'll stand and uh, get a little exercise here, starting at verse 40. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed Him, for they had all been waiting for Him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet, began to implore him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about twelve years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for twelve years, could not be healed by anyone, came up behind him, touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Jesus said, Who was the one who touched me? And they were all denying it. Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling, fell down before him, and declared in the presence of all the people, the reason why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue, officials saying, Your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe she'll be made well. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John and James, and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her, but he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. He however took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise! Arise! And her spirit returned. She got up immediately. He gave orders for something to be given her to eat. Her parents were amazed, but He instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Father, thank You for Your Word. May we be amazed now as we we look at it and realize this is Your Word to us. May we be amazed constantly every time we open up Your Word because it's about You and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, two remarkable stories here into one. Two for one today. (laughs) Took a while to read that, didn't it? Almost the time of the message. So how are we going to get through this? Not sure. It'll take a miracle. (laughs) First thing we need to know is that Christ is approachable. For all those He calls. He says, come to Me. Right? Come to Me. He is approachable. He's a holy God without sin. And yet, He calls us to Him. And verse 40, as Jesus returned, the people welcomed Him. For they had all been waiting for Him. The crowds pursue Jesus. They know His power, don't they? They recognize He has supernatural power. Now, Jesus had gone from Capernaum, went out into the sea, the lake. The storm came up, perfect timing, because this was a lesson that Jesus was going to teach. And then He calmed the storm immediately when they woke Him up, told Him about it, stops it. Goes on over to the other side. That's where Jews don't go. Went to the Gadarenes. And there was the, the demoniac. Jesus cast the demons from that demoniac. The people told him to get out, leave, go. So he did. The rest of the disciples did. They come back across the lake. And here you get verse 40. It is Jesus returned. The people welcomed him. They were waiting for him. It was like he left and they just stood there. Now, I'm not really saying that because this is over through the night. It's probably like this is the next day. But they're hanging around because they're thinking he's going to come back. They're really waiting anxiously. So get that picture. Um, There are people that are waiting to be relieved, to be healed. They're blind, they're deaf, they're sick, they're ailing tremendously. And it seems like with all this pain, I'm sure this time period that he, whenever he came back, was taken by them that, boy, this is taken forever. <laughs> you know, they're desperate. These are desperate people. They know they're desperate. They need a healing. So there he is, and people are pushing, shoving. You remember, as as he was setting out in the boat before he would teach from there, because the crowd would all come around. Well, they're pushing him. All, he, he just stays right there by the shore when he comes up. The crowd is just huge again. And you can imagine, you could get trampled out there. These guys get a little bit... Uh, a little bit crazy and loose. They're, They're just wanting to get close to Jesus. And Jesus uses this. He is a compassionate God. And He does care for the sicknesses, the illnesses, the diseases. It's just like by the time He left, He must have cured almost all of them. But these people really have a need. Jesus goes to the need the main thing that He's shooting for is not just to heal him and then leave, but to give him the message of forgiveness. Remember the song, Forgiveness? All the things that we did before? And He forgives us. Cast the sin as far as the east is from the west. The transgressions are gone. Isn't that beautiful? That's really what the message is that Jesus wants to bring forth. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at God is uh, at hand. And uh, God was right there, the kingdom of God. Poor they needed to know they were poor, that they were prisoners, that they were blind, that they were oppressed spiritually. Physically they know that. He's trying to get the message that spiritually they're poor, they're they're oppressed they needed forgiveness well one of those people in that crowd has a name of Jairus he's been waiting anxiously come on Jesus please come you know know, his daughter is dying there's not much time left please come and there he is there's Jesus Jairus is in the crowd He's working his way up to where Jesus is at in the crowd. You know, Jairus is not afraid to approach Jesus here because Jesus is very approachable, isn't He? He believes Jesus can help him desperately by healing his daughter. He knows that. And he knows this. Jesus is the only hope. There is no other hope Now, isn't it wonderful that Jesus does not turn His back on anyone that wants to approach Him who recognize that they have a desperate need and they call on Him. So He's saying, come. That's the kind of Jesus that we have. This holy God. One who could just blow away the whole universe and that would be it. And yet, he wants to take time with individuals. Jesus does not avoid this man. Could have all this big crowd. So, what about this Jairus? What says here in Luke eight? Jesus return. us oh, see uh, verse forty one. There came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. Just as well as saying he. Uh, is really a leader. In fact, he's the main leader in the synagogue. There are two other accounts that uh, Matthew and Mark give that parallel Luke, and we know when we go to other accounts, they always have something a little bit different that we can add to the story. Basically the same story, just a little bit more information, sometimes less. Go to Matthew 9, 18 through 26. While he was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came. A synagogue official. He's an official. There's an official that's spoken of in Luke. He bowed down before Him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her. Now here, Matthew says that she died. You can say that's contradictory. Because in Luke, it says that she was about to die, right? She was at the precipice of death. She was dying. Tying here he says that she died. They're both true. Because... Matthew gives a very short account of this. Very short. He doesn't give detail, but what he's, what he's saying is exactly after the man, the synagogue official, realizes from uh, somebody that came from the house and told him and told Jesus that he was dead, or that she was dead. And the man had said, well, it's too late. But the official then says to Jesus, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her and she'll live. I'm amazed. He's just been told that his daughter will die. While I go, he had asked, and it was really because of what? Because she was dying. This is a man quite, I think you could say, with an extraordinary faith. Now we have seen a man that was also uh, uh, a leader in, in the Roman army and he had great faith because he said, you don't even have to come to my house. You can heal her from right here. That was the most amazing faith story that Jesus could relate to. So we have here though, she, he's just been told she died. And he says, Jesus, come anyway, because I know that you can raise her up. So, you know, when you, when you take these stories like that, it's almost like, um, they're, you know, is this contradictory? No. It just adds more enlightenment to it. That's why you want to study the Gospels. And you go, wow, okay, that's, that makes it even more powerful, doesn't it? And Matthew didn't say anything about the other part. Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark 5.21 When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd, mega, gathered around Him and so He stayed by the seashore. Now Mark says something that Luke and Matthew don't say. He's staying by the seashore. I think that adds a lot to it, don't you? Remember, it's a large crowd. You can't get through this crowd. He's going to try to get to Jairus' house with this huge crowd. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, seeing him fell at his feet, and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. She's dying. So here Mark is taking at it the very first time that's mentioned by the uh, synagogue official. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. So that she'll get well. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. So, there we have Matthew and Mark, and we have Luke's account, and I think it's quite fascinating. I'd like to meet this man, Jairus. Wouldn't you like to meet this man who is a synagogue official? That's another thing. He's a well respected man, highly honored has much responsibility in helping the people in their spiritual needs. And he comes up with this status that he has, and what does he do? He falls down before Jesus. Kind of like in a worshipful mode, in a praying mode. He's he's going to ask Jesus something, and he holds Jesus high, doesn't he? Falls down before him. You know, this man is connected to the religious establishment, the Pharisees, the scribes, right? He's a ruler of the synagogue. They come there. You know, he's, you know, he's well-respected by the community. And no matter what, he also is a grief-stricken father. And he implores Jesus. I mean, he is begging Him that's the way people do when they come to Christ when they see their need the spiritual need of forgiveness they beg Christ they implore him it says in mark 5:23 my little daughter is at the point of death please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live he doesn't care about his own status he doesn't care about his power and his wealth And his prestige, matter of fact, it's absolutely irrelevant. At this point in time, he has a tremendous need for his daughter. And he lays all the pride aside. That is quite an individual to look at here. You know what? He believed Jesus, and we already spoke about that, could raise her back to life. Or... As he came, as he was coming there, he knew that Jesus could keep her or get her well. And you can say, well, how does he know that? Where are we at? We're around Capernaum. He is the synagogue official. There are usually at least three. He would be the chief leader of them all. And what we have here is that he had not only heard about Jesus, but he actually saw what Jesus had done in the synagogue in chapter 4. Do you remember there was a man that was demon-possessed? And Jesus cast him out on the Sabbath? That was a no-no. You don't do that. You don't heal on the Sabbath. Jesus did it. This man was there. Later on that day, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law who was sick, uh, very vastly sick. She had a high fever. And Jesus healed her. This man, Jairus, knows Jesus. He knows of Him. He knows what He can do. And without a doubt, I know that He can make her well. Please, Jesus has that power. That's the way we come to Christ. We have full access to Him. And He welcomes us. And we know that He can forgive our sins. Some people can say, yeah, but this one sin that I did, I don't know how He could ever forgive that. And yeah, He forgives that. That's power, isn't it? If He can heal Somebody, even at the point of death, even when they've died and bring them back to life. That's powerful. Um, so, we all have a need. This man came in a humbling way. That's the way that we do because we realize we're nothing without Him. We realize our need. That's so important. You know, we're still like that in our Christian walk we still realize our need for forgiveness it has been done but I still need the power of God's spirit to walk this Christian life because there are so many angles and ways that things are coming at us and temptations and anxiety and all the things of the world that are blasting at us and he says I care come to me he's always saying come to me he wants us to pray to him doesn't he um, so we're still kind of like that. It, it often takes sometimes a divine two-by-four in that back of the head to wake us up. Can you guys identify with that? What was that? We're not perfect yet, are we? I think every one of us here is a good witness of that. But you know what? Man, we have a great forgiver. That's right. I'm glad we did that song "Forgiven" today. Do you guys remember that picture where Jesus was standing, and there was a man there, and he had a hammer, and it it was dropped, and it was right there, and it's like Jesus is taking him into his arms. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see that, and so he does. He's quite approachable, isn't he? A main point here is emphasized. Jesus is approachable. He's available. And he could have said, okay, listen, Jairus, uh, we got a big crowd here. Uh, Don't you know what I'm doing here? You know, really. I mean, come on. There's there's too many people. Don't you understand that I'm busy here? How can I come to your house? Yeah, there's things to do. There's people waiting that are, that are sick and deathly also, right here. He is committed to crowds, to people, to individuals. He is committed to you, 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 you. He's committed to you. Boy, it's good to say that. You know, I often have to preach against sin all the time. But sure is good to preach about what has been done to sin. Jesus did. Though all of a sudden, it's just like fastballs are throwing and then all of a sudden the next thing you see is a change up here. Right in the middle of this request, you get this other story coming in here. You go, whoa, whoa, what happened? You're reading along and all of a sudden it says... You know, it says at the end of verse 42, okay, he had an only daughter about 12 years old. Oh, by the way, she's 12. Keep that in mind. Because the woman who is in the the next part of this story had the hemorrhage for 12 years. Mm -hmm. By the time the, the girl was born, she had had this hemorrhage all that time. Go back to about 2006. Do you remember that year? That's how long she had this hemorrhage issue. Uh, imagine the contrasts that are coming up. Okay, One of these is rich. They're both two great examples of faith. They need more in this faith, but they're great examples of really faith. One is rich and one is poor. One is kind of revered, respected. The other one is despised. One is honored the other one is scorned and we'll get to that in a moment you have a 12-year-old daughter dying you have a 12-year-old disease one of them leads the synagogue the other is excommunicated communicated from the synagogue and here you see the savior with these amazing extremes and he works two miracles. Now the crowds are pressing against Jesus right at the end of verse 42. His whole ministry was in the midst of the crowd. They needed the message of forgiveness. Maybe they didn't know that. They wanted something in their body healed. They got that, but even better is forgiveness. You can get your body healed, you're still going to die. If you die without forgiveness, where do you wind up at? That's that's why Jesus was here. So in Matthew 15.30 it talks about these great multitudes They came to Him. They were lame. There's crippled people there. There are blind people all around by the hundreds. (coughs) Dumb. And that they couldn't speak. Can't hear. He was trying to get to the man's house. The man is begging him now and Here it is. This crowd is going to be crushing people. If you does not watch out, they're going to push all around. They're trying to make their way. There are a lot of people who are immobile. People are probably carrying people even on pallets to get them there. They're paralyzed. Sick people all around. Jesus is trying to get through here. Jairus is trying to get him to his house. They're pressing and they're crushing, it's very slow going. And all of a sudden you get an interruption in what is happening? Jesus has a thing to do. Before Jesus can complete that, the second story enters in. Woman has a hemorrhaging, and that means it's a blood issue. went on for 12 years, couldn't get it stopped. She spent the whole livelihood for those 12 years, spent everything she had to try to get well, went to doctors, went to the best of doctors. They had remedies. They tried all those. There was one where you have a glass of wine mixed with rubber alum, another one where you could get it out of the garden, you'd have crocuses, and they would try that, mixtures, and onions. But these attempts all failed. She was really to the point of giving up. I'm sure many times she had. Um, Mark five twenty six it says just what I what I said. It doesn't say it in a Luke, but five twenty six. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying. Uh, is it me Did I did, it's Okay okay thank you Yeah get your gospels right here okay I know it was there a check a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of a great many physicians that's what I just spoke about it's not in Luke and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all but rather had grown worse that's kind of interesting. Mark reports this, but Doctor Luke doesn't say anything there. Maybe he didn't want to make doctors look bad. He says something. He says, "See, there are doctors who, you know, they can't do their job. Well, they might have been. They probably did everything that they could. So Luke just skips that, but Mark picks up on it." So she heard about Jesus, and she came up in the crowd, sneaked through that crowd, somehow got all the way to Jesus. And I do want to tell you, what she's doing is absolutely illegal. That's right. She—I don't know what could happen to her if she gets caught in doing what she's doing. I mean, she's throwing it all out now. She's doing everything that she possibly can. She's going to somehow kind of weasel her way to Jesus, that she's unclean. Now, I go back to Luke in the law, and I'm not going to read the whole law there, but I'll just show you that people with any kind of blood issues, hemorrhages, they were unclean until they were made clean. So in Luke Leviticus 15, Verse 25, this is why I say this was illegal is what she's doing. Um, If a woman has a discharge of her blood many days, not the period of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond that period, all the days of her impure discharge, she shall continue as though in her menstrual impurity she is unclean whether it be at that time period or whether it be before or afterward. We're talking about her clothes are unclean. Everything about her until she is made clean. Matter of fact, people around her are considered to be unclean if they touch her or if she touches them and they're in the same condition. So they have to go through a cleanliness um, ordeal. So this is the law. She's not to be around people until she gets this matter taken care of. So she can't go to synagogue. She's cast out of the synagogue. But here's Jesus. Here she is. The woman is incurable. Spent all she had, there she is. Somehow she's there before Jesus. She not only is there, what does she do? She touches Jesus. Remember what it says? She's not to touch anybody. We could have read further in Leviticus and you got more out of it. Uh, but this this is the law. This is the way it is. God had given them a law, but it's really a picture of ultimately what sin does. Like a leper is out of the community unless they get healed. The leprosy goes away. If you have a, an uncleanliness about you, Or there's been somebody that has died and you've touched them. You are unclean too. Well, she's in the same boat. Twelve years. Twelve years like this. What an interruption that Jesus gets. He's on His way to the the daughter of Jairus. Suddenly an interruption. Jesus knew how to handle interruptions. He could say, what are you doing? Get out of here. Get away. I've got something to do. No. You know, sometimes there are important things that happen when you are going somewhere else. John Lennon, and I don't usually quote from people who are not Christians, but he said something that actually is true. He says, life is what happens to you while you are planning something else. I think that says a lot. Life is what happens to you when you're actually planning something else. It doesn't go the way that you plan. Much of our lives are like that. I never planned that. God, what are you doing here? Or sometimes it's really, really good. Oh, thank you, Lord. But whatever it is, we're going, huh, that's not the way I would have done it. But I'm glad, Lord, you did it that way. At the time, I might say, Lord, what are you doing? What is going on? I I don't like this. I don't understand. Well, he has an agenda. God does. And at first, his agenda sometimes seems like there's an interruption in our lives. You know what I mean? She comes up behind Jesus. It's not interrupting Jesus, by the way. He knows what's going on. She reaches out to Jesus touches the hem of his garment and there were tassels that Jewish men like him, especially a rabbi, would have, and that's what she touched, touches his cloak, really. Luke doesn't tell us, but he doesn't have to. Her action was very deliberate. It wasn't an accident that she got close to Jesus, whoops, I touched him. She meant to do that. She had a reason for doing that. In eight 47. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. She's not supposed to be there, she's there. She touches Jesus on purpose. And of course, she thought that maybe, you know, hey, I can get healed by touching, you know, the cloak there, the tassels. And so I believe Jesus can do that without him even knowing it. And I'll just kind of get out of the way. (laughs) Kind of sheepishly, you can understand. She touched Jesus. Do you see it here? Uh, look at Matthew nine twenty one. What about Jairus's daughter, though? Okay, have you been thinking about that all along while he's doing that? For she was saying to herself, "If I only touch his garment, I will get well." I want to tell you, that's faith. It's it's a it's a kind of a faith that needs to be built upon uh, because it is really a, I guess you could say an inadequate superstitious kind of faith. Okay. If I just touch his garment like you know the some of the um, faith healers today you know they say if you come up and touch the TV screen, you will get healed of every disease that you have. Or if you send off $100, we will send a handkerchief that I have used. But I don't want your handkerchief. <laughs> but, you know, that's superstition. That is not That's not real faith. But she, she knows that Jesus has so much power, she's heard about Him, that He can do something. I can just touch His cloak. I don't have to touch Him, but touch His cloak then I know that He can do this. I'm amazed at this kind of faith. It's inadequate, but Jesus is going to cause it to grow. If the Lord were to wait until we presented Him with mature faith, He'd wait forever. He has to intervene and has to grant us what true faith is. To save us. No one would ever be saved if they were left up to their own. Right? It wasn't just superstition here. It wasn't superstition. It was Christ and His power. Jesus reacts to the touch. Uh, back to Luke and 44 came up behind him, touched the fringe of His cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she knew it. She's the only one that knows that. But Jesus said, he kinda knows something happened. Who is the one who touched me? Now this is really kind of funny in a way, but you know, if you're Peter, you know, Peter is always one of those that's going, you know, uh hey, you know. He, he, he'd probably be sticking his foot in his mouth here again. But, you know, oh Lord uh you want to look around here you know look at the crowd Lord you know, everybody's touching us here there's a lot of people here uh Peter has to be amazed at this question you know right many are crowded around Jesus right you think of the, all the disciples uh, what's what's happening here uh, I thought we were on the way to to heal Jairus' daughter and and now this is going on. Jesus, it's like he stops and he says, who touched me? They have no idea what's going on, have they? They didn't see it. Nobody saw it. It's just like being um a famous celebrity, uh, a musician or a political leader or a Hollywood actor or whatever and they're out where all the crowds are at, you know. And people are taking pictures and it's it's saying who took my picture? <laughs> Everybody's got their phones out, you know. So, getting to Jairus' house is a matter of life and death. Let's get moving. Let's go on. Jesus's timing is always different than our timing. It's there we go. Get. We talk about this all the time, don't we? His timing, his will is a little tweaked according to what we might have. (laughs) And he knows exactly what he's doing and his timing is always perfect. Every time. Never misses a beat. He knows that someone had to come near to him and it was more than a glimpse here. He had ministered to them Somehow His power had gone out from Him. Jesus is not asking the question for His benefit. He's really asking it for the benefit of the woman. That not only does she know that something happened, but He wants to call her out on it in front of the crowd. So they will know it. So the disciples will know it. He knows that his power has gone out from him. power had gone out. There's a personal power of Jesus flowing into her. I think you have a physical healing here, I think you have a spiritual healing. His power flowed out. It's not that he becomes weak and starts falling down and says, Oh, that's it, I'm done for the day. She comes trembling. She's got to own up to this, but she's going to give a public testimony of what Jesus has just done despite the embarrassment of her past condition and what might happen to her. I'm sure there are people who go, when they realize who she is and she starts declaring what Jesus had just done. This is why Jesus said, you know, this. She hears it, she comes forth, she confesses what she has done, and in so doing, she bears witness of the power of God that it's just happened. That's what Jesus did for this woman, for this crowd, for the disciples. It wasn't that he said, Huh, wonder what happened there. He knows full well. And so. Of course, uh, we get the idea of what Peter was saying, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you, but Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before Him, prostrated herself. She's worshiping Him. And declared in the presence of all the people, the reason why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed at that moment. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace." He brought that feast, uh, that, that faith to fruition started with, she, she knew that he could do something. The word there for well is sozo. It's a word for salvation. Most often when you see sozo, that's what it's dealing with. Sozo, S-O-Z-O, if that was in English. It means to be whole. It means to be delivered. She was delivered from her physical ailment. She was saved from her physical ailment. Your faith has made you well. I think Jesus is definitely referring to salvation as well as that physical illness. She's saved at that very point in time. On the one hand, it is God who saves people. On the other hand, they're saved through faith. Justified by faith in Christ right reformation teaching biblical teaching we're saved by grace through faith as Ephesians talks about we're saved through this instrument of faith faith is given by God what she doesn't realize is that her faith has been given to her by God and I, I'm, she knew that he could do this Faith is like a conduit. It's like a lifeline that's thrown out to us. It's like a water hose from the source of the water to us. That's what faith is. It comes from the source to us, allows that water to stream through that water hose, and it's a continual faith, believing. That's a conduit. That enables people to believe in Christ. It's given to God, from God. Luke 7.50 This was another woman. And, of course, we would studied this not too long back. This woman, of course, had done anointing with oil. And in 50 it says, and Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. That means you are restored to God. Those women knew the source of their faith of this whole idea of what God has just done. Had to come from Him. Now we go on to Christ defeating death, which is where the story started in the first place until we got interrupted. <laughs> but was Jesus interrupted? It's part of the plan. Just like whenever they crossed the Sea of Galilee, they were interrupted by a storm. That was planned. He's never taken my surprise, is He? So we go into 49... Finally, the rest of the story of which is where we were starting at. And I want you to consider Jairus now. I want you to consider the mood that he's in. If you had asked Jesus to come there and Jesus is starting on His way and then this happened, what would you be thinking? Yeah, exactly. Have you ever been... Everybody has been. ...in... On us on, on a highway or on a street, and you are already late, and there comes a roadblock. Something has stopped traffic and you're sitting there. Have you ever thought, ah, "I've got to get there. What is going on? What is this? I think we can only speculate what His thoughts and, and emotions are. S- some kind of roadblock has happened here on, on the work uh, of Jesus. Uh, definitely you would think there would be a little bit of frustration coming in in a hurry um, by this jam up, I guess. He's trying to save his daughter! But then we know as we go through this story that then as they get further that she's already died. But we know that Jesus uh, here is being spoken to uh, by Jairus. Let's go to Matthew 9.18 for a moment. And here's where we come to this part. While he was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him. Matthew makes a really quick story on this, moves on. He said, "My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live." Jesus got up, began to follow him, and so did his disciples, and there comes the woman, you know, with the hemorrhage. And so that's told in a quick manner, and then it comes back to that that story here, but um, this uh in, in in our story in, in Luke, there's this one who comes up to uh, them, came from the house of synagogue officials, saying, Your daughter has died, do not trouble the teacher anymore. Let him go ahead and teach. There's a crowd here. She's she's dead. And that that's when Jairus says, Jesus, I believe that you can raise her from the dead. Imagine that. Jesus stops to heal a woman of a non-fatal condition it's not that she's dying and delays and there's a you know a, a young 12-year-old daughter and her life is snuffed out but the faith of the synagogue leader is an amazing thing and remember this guy would Probably not been on the side of Jesus being a synagogue official. Uh he's you know, works hand in hand with um the Pharisees who are out to kill Jesus. The scribes, none of them. I don't know, I'm just you're reading into that maybe that may not be true at all. Maybe he was convinced by Jesus already and and uh, he had talked with him and such. It doesn't say that, but I believe there's a salvation that happens here, uh definitely. Uh, he just says, "Hey, just lay your hand on her and she'll live." I know you can do that. Just, just go there. Uh, it's easy for you just to put your hand on her and just touch her. It's easy. You can do it. You're the creator. <laughs> oh, he doesn't say that, but he knows her superpower here. So let's go to Matthew 9:23 for a moment. Keep going back to that same section, don't we? When Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, noisy disorder, (laughs) those flute players, you can't even hear flutes, you know, usually, right? No. No, they can definitely draw attention. I think of Zach back there. And, of course, he doesn't really play a flute. He plays a fife. So let me get that correct. But those things can get people's attention. They used those in battle, didn't they? But these guys are play- you have flute players, you have dissonance, sound of dis people are shrieking. they're screaming. This is like a at a, a funeral time. You know, if you walked in a funeral home and heard something like that today, you'd be shocked, wouldn't you? Because it's really quiet, it's serene. I mean, I mean I mean it's a situation that you know it, 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 very quiet. Calm. And this is like a loud party. But yet the people are crying and mourning and that's what they did. We already talked about that. Jesus already stopped a funeral before. He's already he raised a, 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 a boy up, didn't he? To life. We talked about the funeral situation. People are hired to come in there and do that. And this being a synagogue official. There are pro- they can afford a lot of people around there, so they and they gather up quick. I mean, they don't waste time. She was dying; now she's dead. I don't know how long it took to get to the house. Apparently, enough for a bunch of people to come there because she's died. They gather. They're in a small place, small town. They gather them up go right down the street. You can just yell, and people will be coming. <sighs> Noisy disorder. Now, you can imagine this mood. Jesus is a funeral stopper. He just stops funerals. People are already doing their thing. And it's like He comes in there and He's going to stop it. It says... 50. Jesus heard this. He answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe she'll be made well. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James, the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her, but he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. Now that's all these mourners. These people who are mourning all of a sudden are laughing. At Jesus. What's that about? What's going on there? Uh, He's going to reverse this whole mood here, right? The girl is merely sleeping. Skepticism all around. She's dead. And they express it in this laughter. Jesus is not just any visitor here. And actually, if we were to go to, let's say, Mark. Let's turn to Mark 5, 40. They began laughing at Him, but putting them out. He asked them to leave. He puts them out. This is more than just saying, hey hey, guys, could you just calm it down a little bit? Look, I want you to just just be cool. No, He gets them out of there. Get out! Leave. That's the idea. That's the forcefulness in this. Uh, We go to our our Matthew 9. Let's see what uh, Matthew relates to us to try to get this idea of what's going on. Uh, Remember the flute players, the crowd in noisy disorder. and He said, Leave, for the girl has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But when the crowd had been sent out, get out of the house, leave, get out of here. He entered, took her by the hand. The girl got up. I think Mark, Mark, it says that she started walking. Uh, Get something to eat in Luke. This news spread throughout all the land. Ask to leave. Ushered right on out of that. Strong word, depart, get out. Now, this is the promise that Jesus makes. It's resurrection. Don't be afraid, he says to Jairus, keep believing. I'm going to raise her. Now, Jairus already believes that, but he needs, you know, kind of, you know, encouragement as he comes to this sad place. This funeral is over. As soon as Jesus is there, she hasn't died, she's asleep. Jesus redefined. Death there, uh, you know, as a temporary thing. That's the true perspective of death. Christians take on that view that it is a temporary thing as far as the body is concerned. He goes in the grave. Spirit goes to be with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Christians know that. That's what we bank on. He firmly put them out. They're laughing on the way. They're gloating in their laughter. A mocking kind of laughter really is what this is. There's no real sorrow for those people. They're just doing it because they got paid. And In an Aramaic, Mark tells us, kumi, which means little girl, arise. So that's what Jesus says. Just like there was the six days of creation, Jesus spoke, it happened, right? He commands, it happens. She immediately rose, she got up, she sat up, she stood up, she walked. She had food. Because it's probably been quite a while. She just couldn't eat. What great creative power. He had power to raise dead people. Why not? if mankind wasn't even around and there wasn't any man and then all of a sudden He created Adam out of nothing, ex nihilo, well, He can certainly take that dead person and bring him to life. That is our guarantee as we sit here today in the Christian realm. We have this. um, The reaction we see here in... verse fifty five her spirit returned, she got up immediately, gave orders for something to be given to eat. Jesus did that. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Now we just have a minute or two to tell you what happened what what 's going on here? okay, you have Peter James, and john they 're allowed in there, not the other disciples. Or, or sometimes you see Peter, James and John they were at the Mount of Transfiguration now they're here at the resurrection of, uh, of this little girl to life they witness pretty amazing things the parents are there, nobody else Jesus raises her up rise she rises, starts walking it's like she didn't need a, um, a little bit of time to recoup. You know, a few weeks. She'd get up out of bed. No, it was immediate. That's the way Jesus' miracles work. They are immediate. And that's that's exactly what happened. That's incredible. They were amazed. The word is exist to me. It means to stand. Exist means to stand or to be. It means to stand, X, outside yourself. They were amazed. They were standing outside of themselves. What does that mean? It's a terrifying amazement that they're having. Even this man knew that this, you know, Jesus could do it, but there it is. It's a terrifying amazement. They were literally besides themselves. Have you ever heard, I'm beside myself? That's what happened to them. Uh, in holy awe. And He says, stay where you are. Don't, don't go anywhere yet. What did He say? He told them to tell no one what had happened. Now does that mean ever? Is she going to walk around at the same time, just stay in the house and not tell anybody? Or are they going to tell people, yeah, what, what is the idea? Why would Jesus say such a thing? He said, I want you to take in this moment that we're having right now. What would be the first thing they'd want to do? Go right out the door and start screaming and yelling, She's alive! Look! Wouldn't wouldn't you want to do that? Jesus is here. He's the one who saved her, who brought her to life. Stay where you are. It's just us. Just enjoy the presence of... Of me, Jesus says. Of this reunion with your daughter. Take it in because who knows how long this has been going on. This sickness. It could have been months. could have been just a week. At any rate, stay. Take care of this. Enjoy the presence of Jesus Christ. Enjoy His goodness. Enjoy His power. Did you know that's really what we're doing here today? I'm right with you. We're just adoring Him. We're amazed at His power, aren't we? Look where He's brought us. Look where, better yet, look where He's taking us. Enjoy Him. Ponder on Him. Have you thought about Him today? Have you meditated about the sustaining life that we have? We were dead, and now we're alive. What would the blind man say? All I know is I once was dead, and I'm alive now. And I have hope, I have light. I know what's coming. He was the conqueror, of disease, the conqueror of death. All in one story that had two great parts to it. He knew absolutely what he was doing, didn't he? And everybody was amazed. They were in awe. If you were to look in chapter 8, and and I'll, I'll just give you homework because we are at the end of our time here. If you look at all four of these miracles, you will see how people responded to that. They were fearfully amazed. Here we have it, this. The demoniac, the people, the fear. You see that. And then at the storm, the disciples. I just want to tell you this. There will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. And every one of us has lost very dear people we know of people. Some are, of course, very specially close to us. And we have some of them here that have experienced that in spouses, which is about as close as you can get. And we say this, and it's just a matter of encouragement and hope. You already know it. But isn't it great to see the Master knows what He's doing with our lives. And when He says, I want you to come with Me. Remember when He first called you? I've got a journey for you. Folks, we're on quite a ride. But I'll be glad when He comes back. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more disease. All joyous and glorious. And that would close. Lord, thank You for this message. May it make an impact on all our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.